All right, everybody, welcome to the seventh episode of the Backseat Huddle Podcast. I am your host, Tristan Weber. As always, I'm going to be taking you around the NFL, just covering various topics throughout the week. And this week, I'm going to start off with my team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Pittsburgh Steelers took down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 22-18 this week in the upset of the week, in my opinion. And it's time to call it how it is. The through six weeks, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not Super Bowl contenders. They don't look good. Everything feels difficult. It doesn't feel like it's right. Nothing looks good. Nothing looks simple. It feels like something different is wrong with this team. Every week feels like everything is difficult and everything's a challenge. And this offense has been shockingly poor, especially in relation to the impressive production that they had the past two seasons. I mean, obviously they won the Super Bowl in 2020 and last season Brady put up 5,200 yards. And this is obviously saying that they're poor offensively is not something that we normally would say about a Tom Brady-led offense. But I've decided to do a blind resume for you guys to show you really how bad it's been. I'm going to put up the Tampa Bay offensive stats up on the screen for you. And and then I'm going to put up two mystery teams. And I'm going to let you guys form a conclusion. And I apologize for the bad graphics. That's not my forte yet. But here's the Tampa Bay offense. They've got total yards, 1,992 total yards since week six. They've got 1,587 passing yards, 405 total rush yards. And they've got eight passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and average 20.2 points per game. Okay. Here's the first mystery team. They have 1,922 total yards. 1,349 passing yards and 573 rushing yards. So obviously the passing yards, there is a bit of a discrepancy there. Uh, they've also got 10 passing touchdowns and three rushing touchdowns. They've got two more passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. However, they do average a field goal less per game. So they do have more passing touchdowns. But they got a little bit less yards, passing a little more yards rushing. This is the Washington Commanders. And Carson Wentz. Now, obviously, I cherry-picked this a little bit. I did not include turnovers because, obviously, Carson Wentz has quite a few turnovers this season. But offensively, they are a very, very similar team. Which, that's kind of eye-opening. You know, we're like, wow, that's 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 kind of a big deal. We don't anticipate Washington to be great. But, obviously, you know, they have some, they have some players. They've got Scary Terry and looks like Jahan Dotson's doing pretty well. So we can kind of, we can be like, all right, well, maybe. Okay, let's go ahead and move on because I've got one more for you. I think this is actually a much better indication of what the Tampa Bay offense really has been like. So here's my second mystery team. This team has 2,099 total yards, okay? So they have about 100 more total yards than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have 1,597 passing yards, 10 more than the Buccaneers, okay? and 502 rushing yards, which is 100 rushing yards more than Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay, They have eight passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns on average 17.2 points per game. So very similar. Same touchdowns passing, same touchdowns rushing, almost the same yards passing, little more yards <clears throat> rushing. That's the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts. 
who we don't think of as good offensively. We think Matt Ryan stinks. We think he's washed up. We think he's not any good. And that's who we, not necessarily Matt Ryan, but the Colts offense is a realistic comparison to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay offense right now. The stats line up. The turnovers don't. But statistically, in terms of yards and offense and touchdowns, they line up. The only thing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that has remained constant for them is they're hurt everywhere. Their run blocking and running game stinks. It just, it, they, just, they, they have the lowest expected yards per rush since, I want to say, 92. And they're not great in the red zone. Those are the three things that have been consistent for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers throughout the first six weeks of the season. And week by week, it feels like something is different or wrong with this team. It feels like each week it's a completely different issue. And that's what makes it so difficult is you can't just point at this team and say, well, that's what's wrong. That's what doesn't work. So it's not as simple as just saying, hey, we need to fix this. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to break it down week by week for you. Week one against the Cowboys, they weren't good in the red zone. They gave up crucial sacks on third down. Defense looked great. They only gave up three points to Dak Prescott-led Cowboys offense at the time. Week two against the Saints, nothing felt right on offense, but nothing ever feels right against the Saints. Brady only threw for 190 yards, and Leonard Fournette averaged 2.7 yards per carry. Defense, once again, looked solid, forcing three turnovers, which against Jameis Winston uh, is not too difficult. Actually, I think it was five turnovers, sorry. Week three against the Packers, every single wide receiver Tom Brady had was hurt or Mike Evans was out. So they had Cole Beasley, who literally retired six days later. So I can kind of give them a little bit of a pass offensively for that. Tom Brady did still throw for 271 yards, which was respectable. And the defense, once again, looked really good in the second half. It didn't look great in the first half, looked really good in the second half. Week four against the Chiefs, the defense looked terrible giving up over 180 yards on the ground. They let Mahomes be Mahomes, gave up 41 points, but there was hope. The offense finally clicked. Brady threw for 385 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. So we're like, all right, cool. We figured out the offense, but the defense took a step back. Week five against the Falcons, the Buccaneers finally looked how we expected them to look. They were up 21 to zero, walking to halftime. We're like, hey, looks like this team's back. And then they almost blew it in the second half. Once again, they got run all over again. The Falcons ran for almost 200 yards once again. And it took the refs bailing them out for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to beat the Atlanta Falcons. And then week six against the Steelers, the pass blocking looked rough again. The Steelers didn't even have J.J. Watt and the Buccaneers offensive line still looked overwhelmed the entire game. They couldn't get off the field in the second half. They, the Steelers converted, I want to say it was three third downs over 10 yards in the second half, in the fourth quarter specifically. And they allowed Mitchell Trubisky to go nine of 12 for 144 yards. How? How do you lose that game to Mitchell Trubisky? Nothing on this team looks right. The offense struggles to score. The defense can't get off the field. The defense can't get pressure without blitzing. They struggle to get off the field on third down. They struggle in the red zone. They struggle to run the ball. They struggle, they struggle, they struggle, they struggle. The Tampa Bay offense, nothing looks right with the Tampa Bay offense right now. It has been a really rough start for them. And through the first six weeks, they look like they miss Bruce Arians. 
And I did not think I would say that because at least over the past two seasons, they could, with him as the head coach, they could score. They put up yards. They put up touchdowns. They got, they were good in the end zone or red zone. Right now, Tampa Bay Buccaneers look mediocre. And that's, when's the last time we said that about a Tom Brady-led team? If the Tampa Bay Buccaneers keep playing like this, they are 100% going to get bounced out of the playoffs in the first round. And the only reason that they will make it to the playoffs if they keep playing like this is because they're playing in the weakest division in the NFL. And if they keep playing like this, it is totally possible Atlanta could sneak up and win this division because Atlanta is playing very well right now. As the saying goes, you are what your record says you are. And right now, they're a 500 football team at three and three, and they look like it. They're playing like it. But here's the good news. If you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan or you play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you have the second easiest schedule in the NFL moving forward. So there's time to fix it, but they got to figure it out quick. I'm going to go ahead and move on. That being said, to the other shock of the week where the Giants took down the Ravens 24 to 20, which I don't think anybody saw was coming. I'm worried to say this a little too early like I did with Joe Judge, but it really looks like the Giants found the right coach. Brian Dable is winning way more games way quicker than absolutely anybody would have expected of him and this team. Five and one. Nobody expected this team to be five and one after six weeks. And Daniel Jones looks like he is improving under Brian Dable. I mean, it looks like Brian Dable is doing for Daniel Jones what he did for Josh Allen was in Buffalo. Daniel Jones has heavily cut down on the mistakes, and he's doing it with a bunch of receivers we've never even heard of. Their leading receiver on Sunday against the Bills was, I believe, Daniel Bellinger. Who? I mean, it is definitely very impressive. In a way, and this is just going to be an insult, the Giants remind me of the Mitchell Trubisky-led Bears team from a couple seasons ago that made the playoffs, and it just didn't make any sense how. You know, they didn't seem like a good team, but you look up and somehow they're winning games, and they don't pass the eye test at all. Like, the Giants, when you watch them play, they don't necessarily look like a great team. But here they are winning games. They're hanging tough with anyone, and it makes no sense to me. It just feels like, you know, they make the right plays at the right times, and they're just winning football games. And they have a lot of aspects of last year's Tennessee Titans team as well, where <clears throat> they rely heavily on their running game and their pass rush, and they use that to leverage into wins. Now, I don't see the Giants winning a ton of football games, you know, late into the postseason or necessarily winning out, you know, I, I don't see them having a deep playoff run. However, right now the Giants are winning games and they're doing what it takes and that's what matters. And it's crazy to me too, because the Ravens are a legitimate AFC contender. Like they are legitimate Super Bowl aspirations and the Giants, in theory, are not as good as the Ravens are. They don't. I don't think their roster is as good as the Ravens, and I certainly don't think their quarterback is as good as the Ravens. So how did they win that game? It's just, it's just crazy, and it just seems to be kind of one of those things that defies explanation a little bit. But hey, good job to Brian Dable and the New York Giants for pulling off the upset this Sunday. So on the other side of that game, I love Lamar Jackson, and I think he's the most exciting player in the NFL. 
However, there is a worrying trend with him and the Baltimore Ravens and how they lose games this season. Much has been made about they've only been trailing for 130 seconds. So they've only trailed 14 seconds in it. But that's not, I think, the major headline. The major headline is they have blown a 10-point lead or more in every single one of their losses this season. Week two against Miami, they were up by 21. Week four against Buffalo, they were up by 17. And week six against the New York Giants, they were up by 10. And they lost all those games. I'm not ready to commit to this narrative yet, but if it continues, we may need to start introducing the idea that Lamar Jackson's a little bit of a choker. Right now, Lamar Jackson's passer rating in the fourth quarter is 56.3. By comparison, it is 97.8 in the first quarter, 114.8 in the second, and 100.6 in the third. He is not playing well when it matters most, and that and playing and not playing his best when everything is at stake is a narrative that he has had to face throughout his entire career. So that is a little bit worrying. And we can say it's not Lamar Jackson's fault and that there's more to it. But at some point, I mean, he does have to take some of the blame. I mean, the Miami game is a little bit different. If your defense gives up 42 points, I don't expect you to win that game. But the Giants game feels different that interception in the fourth quarter was his fault that strip sack in the fourth quarter was his fault you need to have better ball security than that you're the star quarterback and the buffalo game the fact they only scored three points in the second half is in part his fault he's the quarterback the offense goes through him and it's it's strange, too, that they're losing these games like this because the, the makeup of this team, given that they are such a heavy running team and that's what they do, that's more or less their core and identity would lend itself to being able to close out games. That's what the Ravens should be able to do, should be able to pound the rock and close the game, bleed the clock, and win it. But for some reason, they're losing games that they should win. If they're able to close out games, it is very likely the Baltimore Ravens are 6-0 and right now instead of 3-3. Three and three. But here we are. They've blown three double-digit leads, and here we are asking these questions. So I'm not ready to commit to the narrative yet, but it's certainly worth talking about. I'd also like to talk about Patrick Mahomes for a second. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs lost this week 24-20 to against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, and Patrick Mahomes is getting a bit of a dose of reality. What Patrick Mahomes experienced when he first entered the league wasn't really what the NFL is. He entered the league into a perfect scenario. He had an elite wide receiver. He had a Hall of Fame tight end, Hall of Fame head coach, elite offensive line, very good to great running backs. Kareem Hunt was his running back when he won the MVP and a solid defense. The year they won the Super Bowl after week eight, they were the number one ranked defense after week eight. That's not how it usually works. Now he's getting a little bit a dose of reality of how the NFL actually is now that he does have doesn't have those things. Scoring 20 points against the Bills with two, two turnovers just isn't good enough. There was a time where the world would have crashed down 
had the Kansas City Chiefs only scored 20 points. And I'm not here to say he's garbage or that he's not good or he's washed up or he's overrated because he's not. He is every bit as good as people say he is. He's just coming back down to earth in terms of how things in the NFL are. The life in the NFL is not perfect like it was for him when he first entered the league. He doesn't get to eat his cake and have it too in the perfect scenario. Now that he doesn't have Tariq Hill on the outside, he doesn't have the best defense in the entire world. He doesn't have elite outside weapons. He's still got Jason Kelsey. He's still got a very good offensive line, but they're not elite like they were when he first entered the league. And I suspect that's a big reason the offense isn't putting up as many points. They don't look quite as explosive. Uh, they're perhaps a little more one-dimensional than they were in previous seasons, although they have had some really solid rushing games this season. At this time, you know, they just have a lot of very good, very good offensive line, good receivers, Hall of Fame tight end still, good defense. But every elite quarterback we've seen has been through this and in where instead of having elite talent to elevate you, it's up to the quarterback to elevate the talent around them and make them better. And, Patrick Mahomes is still, he is doing this already, but he's going to have to continue to do this more. And I think a really good example of this would be Peyton Manning in Indianapolis. Obviously, he started out with Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. And then as Reggie started to age, Marvin started to age and retired, we saw him elevate Pierre Garçon. And then we saw him elevate role players like Austin Colley. And the better example is probably when he was in Denver, where obviously Demarius Thomas, rest in peace, uh, Eric Decker, Emmanuel Sanders, and especially Julius Thomas, they were all good to very good. And then he gets there and they are just elite. He's putting up elite numbers and they obviously jumped that next level. So we will in time really see that with Patrick Mahomes as he continues to evolve and grow and improve as a quarterback. Like I said, he's already doing that. Like, have we ever seen Juju Smith-Schuster look this good? I mean, there was times where he looked this good, but he's never looked this good. But Patrick Mahomes is getting a reality check as far as things not being as perfect as they were when he first entered the league. So the last thing I would like to talk about before I end my show is the NFL is kind of lame right now. And it's a weird thing, and I love football, but the state of the NFL is in a really weird spot. So far, the 2022 NFL season feels like one of the worst I can remember, and I, I think there's two main reasons why. Number one, the changes in defensive coverages and the NFL as a whole is very average right now. The first thing that concerns me is the change in the NFL defensive coverages, changing teams or forcing teams to go on 10 to 12 play drives. We hear it every single week at some point in the football team, football game. Sorry. We hear it every single week that the team needs to go. We got to see these guys go on 10 to 12 play drives because this is the this is the way defenses are playing now. And quite frankly, the game just aren't as exciting for it. Watching dink and dunk offense has an allure and there's obviously been exciting plays, individual plays. Juju Smith-Schuster had a great one uh, this, this Sunday. But based on feel and optics, the games just aren't as exciting. And I touched on this on the, I want to say the third episode. Through the first three weeks of the NFL season, unders were hitting an 80% rate. Games just don't seem to have that wow factor that they did, you know, a season, two seasons ago. Second, teams in the NFL right now are average. 
here's a list of the teams that are currently over 500. There's only 11 of them out of 32 teams. Right now, the Bills, Jets, Chiefs, Titans, Colts, and Chargers in the AFC. And the NFC, we have the Eagles, Giants, Cowboys, and the Vikings. That's it. There's two entire divisions in the NFL where all four teams are 500 or worse. That is the AFC North and the NFC West. Every single team in the NFL is either three and three or worse through six weeks of the season. And this is where I'm going to double down on the NFL being very average right now. Once again, there's only 11 teams that are 500 or better right now. And three of them, I don't really even think of as good teams. Do we really think the Titans, Colts, and Giants, do we really think those teams are good? The Giants are 5-1. and one. I'm a little on the fence about them. But do we consider the Titans and Colts actually good teams? So that brings it down to either 9 or 8 teams, depending on how you look at it. I certainly don't think much of the Titans, and I think even less of the Colts. And the teams that we are expecting to be exciting and provide us with wow, like the Buccaneers, the Bengals, the Ravens, the Rams, they've all been really underwhelming this season. There have been some games that have been exciting and fun, but they, I digress, they're the games I've chosen not to watch. In full honesty, I don't get the appeal of wanting to watch Geno Smith versus Jameis Winston. That's just not it for me. I watch the NFL because I want to see football at its best. The reason I watch the NFL is the exact same reason I do not watch Bethune Cook on Bethune Cookman take on Northwest Eastern Technical AM State Technical College. Okay. I want to watch the best possible product. I want to watch the best players play my favorite sport in the best way, in the best possible product, the best players making the best plays. And this season's been a little average. It's been a little bit of a disappointment, and I hope it's temporary. So that's it. That's my show. Thank you all for tuning in. Take care, everybody.